the Making Sense of Life podcast number 32. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Sunil Raheja as we think through what it means to make sense of life in what is an increasingly challenging and complex world. I want to start by asking you a question. Do you find yourselves at times disappointed with life? How do you handle handle it when things don't go according to how you planned? For some of us, that means exploding and uh, getting very angry and frustrated with others. And for others of us, it can mean uh, drawing in on ourselves and imploding and going into, into a sulk. I think one we tend to go one or other ways, but you know if we're honest, if we're honest, and for all of us, and life can be disappointing and frustrating at times, and yet there are times, of course, of encouragement, joy, and fun. But how do we handle it when life does not go the way we expect? Now, one person who who's thought about this subject of disappointment a lot is John Hindley, and it's our privilege to have him on our podcast today. Welcome, John. Hi, it's nice to be with you. Yeah, it's it's great to be here and to. Um, and to talk with you about what is a really important subject. Now, just to introduce you to John, he's been a follower of Jesus Christ since 1996 when he was about 20. And he says that that was a time when he finally realised the stories he'd grown up believing were not only historically true, but were true in a way that left, left nothing else the same. John's married to Flick and is the grateful and happy and constantly learning father, he says, of Daisy, Eliza and Sylvia. He says he loves Jesus and is increasingly amazed that Jesus would have him as a follower and disciple. He's also one of the leaders of a church in Norfolk, England, called Broad Grace. Now, the reason I called, uh, got John with us to talk with us today is he's written a fascinating book called Dealing with Disappointment. And the subtitle of it gives a beautiful promise, which is how to know joy when life doesn't feel great. Now, I don't think I've ever come across many books with the title Disappointment. I don't think it's going to make a bestseller with the title Disappointment in its headline. It's probably not. <laughs> but I think it's got a lot of really important wisdom and truth. And it's incredibly honest about a subject that we find it difficult to talk about. But, John, let me start by asking you, first of all, why did you write a book about disappointment? It, it was a mixture, I think, of my own experience um, of, of disappointment and um, not not so much big disappointments but but lots and lots of little disappointments things I just hoped would have gone a bit better in my life um, particularly in in the work that I do and and reflecting on that but then also at the same time as as reflecting personally having conversations with friends 
Um, and maybe it's something about my age. I turned 40 while I was writing the book. Um, and and just people where they felt there was just a sense that, that life hadn't delivered what they'd hoped. Um, for some, they could identify. So that. it wasn't sort of some major suffering, some major trauma, some major loss, but it was more of a little of a niggle that wouldn't go away. I think that's it. Yes, yes. I think the nature of disappointment is not a, an acute suffering. And I think suffering is terrible. But it is easier to talk about and get a get a sense of what's going on. If you're diagnosed with a serious illness, for example, you can tell your friends there's something to talk about. Whereas if you're if your job just isn't what you hoped, you can feel a bit kind of like, well, how do I talk about that? It's not awful. Yeah. No one's bullying me. What do I? Yeah, do? And, and if you talk about it, people say, well, you haven't got much to complain about. Why don't you just pull your, pull your socks up and just get on with life? Yes, yes, exactly. You know, and, and it, you know, they might go, well, I haven't got a job, you know, or I'm, I'm stuck in this job. You know, what have you got to complain about? You've got a dream job. You always wanted to, to be a builder, to be an accountant, to be a nurse, whatever it is. And you go, well, I know I always wanted to, but I, I hope for more. It's, it's yeah. that. Yes, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, I think, yeah, it's, it's, so it's that kind of thing, which if I think back in my own life, and I've, I've talked about it on, on, uh, on, a, on another podcast, is when I became a consultant psychiatrist in 2001, um, I'd sort of climbed, as it were, the ladder to get to the top of the career. Mm. What you know, I'd really struggled through medicine at various points. I thought I'd never even get through medical school, let alone uh, work all my way up to consultant. And then I got there, and, and the biggest sense I had when I looked back at that time was a profound sense of emptiness. I I think that is very common from the conversations I've had, um, both with people who are religious whether they're followers of Jesus or others or people who who wouldn't count themselves as religious this sense that well I've, I've worked for this and now I'm here it doesn't it doesn't offer so much and particularly in professions like yours that are very obvious sort of strata you know where you're aiming at you're aiming at consultant um, but I think even for others where it's a bit less obvious but they've they've achieved some success they they've, they're married they've got a house they've got a car they get to go on holiday they're doing mm. a job that they quite enjoy so it's a, it's an issue particularly a problem of, of affluence something that um yes because if, if you don't have then you, you can long to um you know reach a senior career earn so much money get so many things and yet it when you get those things you realize actually it's not quite enough Yes, I think you're right. I think I think certainly the prevalence of disappointment is is a product of affluence. I guess there are some things like you might be disappointed because you're you're not married and you'd long to be married or you you can't have children. You wanted to have children. And I guess those disappointments maybe have always been there. But I think this the affluence of our society probably makes disappointment, I think, very prevalent. Yes. So let's let's go to the, the book, John, then. I mean, as, you, as we're trying to say, it's it's a universal experience that I think we can all identify with in some form or another. And you start your book uh, with a quote from the beginning of, of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon, who was probably one of the richest men in the history of the world, and also often described as, as the wisest person who's ever lived. And yet what he says is quite disconcerting. And you, you start your book by this. You say, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, Meaningless, meaningless, says, said the, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And you say in the, in, in the first chapter of the book, you say this is the most disturbing, the most intriguing, and one of the most attractive beginnings to any book of the Bible. So why do you say that? Yes, I, I think it's disturbing because we, we generally think, well, if you approach God and you, you come to know God, surely he's going to provide answers. Surely he's going to sort out all your problems. 
And to open the Bible, God's book, and to read this great, wise, wealthy king saying everything's meaningless. Well, that disturbs that cosy view I have that somehow God's going to fix my problems. So I think initially it's it's disturbing. I think it becomes intriguing because I go, well, OK, this this might disturb my cosy view of what God would do. But it it chimes with reality. Mm-hmm. It connects with my experience that life does sometimes feel meaningless even in the face of of what would have looked like a a successful affluent life that Solomon lived and and so I I like it here's reality I I open my bible and I don't get some fairy tale that that doesn't can't be true you get real pain and disappointment and hurt and confusion and then I think it became attractive as I realized that that Solomon um, he lived about 970 um, BCE was was the beginning of his his reign Mm. Um, and but but in some ways he speaks prophetically of Jesus God's own son the greatest king over God's people well if if God himself if Jesus can understand my feelings of disappointment and meaningless meaninglessness here is a God who who can get me and who, when he does speak hope and does offer answers, they're not trite, simplistic, unrealistic answers. Mm. That they're, they're, they're real and they have a depth to them. Right, okay. So we've talked about it. You said you, you about being disappointed is woven into the fabric of human existence. In other words, if we're going to really live life to the full, and obviously we all want to live life to the full, mm. but we all want to get the most out of life, then we should be disappointed. You say that we are free to be disappointed. What do you mean by that? Yes, I, I think that often our response to disappointment is to want to escape it or avoid it. Um, but I, I think we live in a world that is disappointing. There are things that should disappoint us and probably the things that should disappoint us more. Than so it's do. not something that's gone wrong than the fact that we're disappointed. I don't think so. I think there can be and, and we'll come to yeah. that. But the fact that we're disappointed doesn't necessarily mean we're doing anything wrong. I think it can mean we are facing up to what the world is like. Um, and and that might be disappointment with the state of the world. You know, if I watch the news and I mm. see refugees drowning or, or being washed up um, on a beach desperate, I, I should be thinking something's gone wrong. This is awful. Mm. This this is not how the world should be. Um, but similarly in our own lives, if if my work is frustrating, if my marriage is hard, if my lack of a marriage is hard, then then surely work should be satisfying. Surely a marriage should be a blessing. And so there is something to be said about facing up to that and not hiding from that. I think there is, yes. So you say um, on page 20 of the book, once I remember I'm allowed to be disappointed with myself without being crushed by it, I can simply be sad. The walls of pride are breached so that forgiveness and love can storm through. Wow. That's powerful. Forgiveness and love. Yeah. Yes. Um. I, I think what I had in mind there is. Um. Let me talk about myself for a bit. Yeah, um, often, if I'm if I'm feeling like things have gone badly, you know, I, I want to have a high view of myself, and maybe I've had a hard day. I've been frustrated in work. I go home. I, I'm grumpy and angry with my my children and my wife, and then, um, my wife brings it up, and I I get cross with her, and and in my pride, I want to make myself right so I find I I say well you're insensitive you I've had this really hard day and you couldn't care less and I I blame her and I get angry and and I I damage our relationship but if I can go 
you know what, today's been hard and I've I've failed to achieve what I wanted to and I've messed things up and others have messed things up and I've, I'm disappointed in myself, I'm disappointed in others. I've treated you badly, I've spoken to you wrongly. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Then by owning my disappointment with myself and with others, I, I can actually undo some of the so you've sort of put it in the right place you've 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 dealt with it in in a healthy way rather than going into despair or despondency yes yes and often uh, certainly personally my reaction to this moment is to blame others um and to blame anyone i can find yes i'm whoever's closest (laughs) yeah Um, whereas if i can go no i'm even yeah i've let myself down i've let others down i can own that i can ask for forgiveness i can seek to to just be realistic about myself and and it means i then don't need to pretend i'm perfect i can know that i'm not yes because often we, we hide behind masks and we try and pretend that we're not um that we are perfect or we feel somehow that we're going to by being vulnerable we're going to somehow lose out i think you're absolutely right and i think we're afraid of being vulnerable because exactly like you say we think people will take advantage or will lose the argument yes. as if that mattered Okay, so we've talked then just about this issue that it, it's okay to be disappointed often in life, that there are things that we should be disappointed about. But then you go the other way. You go, the, you say there's, but the, you know, there's almost like a, I don't know if tightrope is, is the right word, but there's a, there's, a, there's a line we've got to walk on very carefully because we can become over-disappointed. There's a danger of becoming over-disappointed. Um, I think before we go there, let, let's just think, what do we mean by disappointment as well? It's a very good question um, and it is a bit hard to define. I I tend to think of disappointment as when we had hoped for or expected some satisfaction or joy that is then denied. Um, and and part of disappointment can be the surprise of that. We'd, we'd expected to be given a promotion, the boss had talked about it and then it went to someone else. Then you know, the, the surprise of it can make it worse. I think you can have disappointment without surprise you know it was your wedding day and the forecast was it for pour to for it to pour with rain all day and it does and you're still disappointed because a bit of you had hoped the sun would come out yes. but hopefully it doesn't completely take it doesn't put a little well, <laughs> put a damper on the day totally <laughs> hopefully yeah. not no yeah. hopefully there's bigger yeah. bigger joys in the day than than the weather <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and i think you helpfully said and so so there's the so there's it's it's right to be disappointed but we mustn't get over disappointed mm. Uh, and the reason for that, um, and we're going to look at some solutions, is because we can go into despair. We can um, try to escape from the feeling by immersing ourselves in something else, which could be harmful to us, or we could, as it were, lose our perspective on, on life. Um, so you very helpfully break down the types of disappointment we can experience, uh, things that shouldn't disappoint us but do. And then you say things that should disappoint us, but do too much. Um, just break that down to us. And especially that second one, you say about the things that should disappoint us, but do too much. You say that, that they can become dangerous. Um, and as, as well as this fact that despair is at the extreme end of disappointment. Mm. Yes. Yes. So the first category is easier. We, we play a, a card game with some friends and we lose and and we feel really annoyed and, and cross. And, yeah. and yeah, it's just silly. It shouldn't disappoint yeah. us that yeah. much. And if it is, then there's something wrong. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes, we're, we're loading something onto that game that, that is far beyond what, what we should be. Yeah, you're absolutely mm. right. And you see it with people when their sports team is beaten in some significant match and, and they're then 
down for a week or two. Yes. You think, well, goodness, it's okay to be a bit disappointed at the end of the match. Of course you would be. But but actually when that continues and becomes such a big part of your life, then something is, is out of balance. Yeah. Um, but you're right, that second category, I think, is is more tricky. And I think, to, to give an example, you might... Um, you might have longed to be married and it's a, a disappointment in your life that you're still single. Um, but but that becomes the overriding lens through which you view... It's, it's how you define yourself and how you yeah. are as a person. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you maybe go and have a nice weekend with friends and someone says to you on the Monday, oh, how was your weekend? You say, oh, I had a lovely weekend catching up with, with Tom and Anna. Um, oh, but I wish I was married. And, mm. and that but, it right. colours everything. Yes. Yeah, that, that but is a small word, but it, it just it covers, as you said, it, it covers everything there. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously that can go on to leading to despair. So we're still in the sense of defining our, uh, what we're meaning here, but there is also the, the the problem of success, if you like, the disappointment of success. Mm. And then I sort of alluded to that earlier on. Um, my own struggle in terms of becoming a consultant psychiatrist after almost a, what uh, more than 18 years of climbing the career ladder um, and I talked about that actually and more in I think it's podcast number two on success um, but there is just to say a few words about this, the, the disappointment of success I mean we see that in the, in the sports world I think particularly it, it comes out yes yes you do you know the, the person who wins the Olympic gold and then there's a the question of well what what next I'm the best in the world at the 400 meters or whatever it is what do i what do i do with my life but i i think it's it's very common so when we're younger maybe we're studying or working hard in the the first stages of a job and we're looking forward to buying our own house maybe to owning a car to going on foreign holidays to getting married to having children and and then as you achieve many people achieve those those goals they're left with a sense of well is is this it is the more to life i've you know, I'm now I've got a house. I'll probably be in the same house for the next 20 years. I'm married. I've got kids. I might get one promotion now between now and retirement. But basically, I've I've done everything. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of treading water till I retire almost. And and I think that can be that sense of, well, I've achieved what I'd hoped, but I it hasn't satisfied me. It still leaves me. Empty. So I think some of our listeners may may identify with what things you're talking about there. Um, it does get better, doesn't it, John? I hope because uh, you, 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 you're laying out a problem for us, which I think many of us um, have felt subconsciously or had that niggle that's been there. Like a doctor, we've spent a fair bit of time diagnosing and defining the problem. So, what can we do about it? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think that there's three answers that I found that that have helped. There's hope. Um, there's there's purpose and this perspective yeah and, and you say in the book hope that destroys despair purpose that cuts off escape and perspective that shrinks disappointment and i think it'd be really helpful i think if, if we try and unpack that so let's start with the first one um hope that destroys despair yes and this arises really from from that book of ecclesiastes we talked about earlier and, and wise king solomon and he he lays out his great success in life, um, and as a rich king, his success made mine look tiny. He built palaces. Yeah, there's no one ever richer than Solomon, I think, in the history <laughs> no, of the world. Yeah, no. so he should. He knows success. He he really knows it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he commanded a nation. He, yeah, you name it. He did it really, and and he he saw huge success, and he declares it all meaningless. 
But then at the end of the book, he, he says that actually the thing that renders everything meaningless is, is death. That even if you, you have a life that is full of success, you'll, you'll leave it all behind. You'll lose it. Yeah. Um, he even says, you know, who knows if the person who inherits it, maybe he'll be a fool um, yeah. and, and squander everything. And in fact, in his case, that was true. His son lost the kingdom. Um, he was a terrible fool. And, and then he goes, but, but if there is a hope beyond death, if there is a God who who raises the dead, which is, is the God Solomon believed in, if there is a God who... By faith, because obviously this is well before Jesus came on, on the, on the yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, he, he was believing the promises, the promises that God had made. He didn't, he hadn't seen, um, you know, as a Christian, I believe in, in Jesus who died, who rose from the dead himself and mm. who promised that to his followers. But, but Solomon believed those, those promises that had been made it, in advance and like you say living a thousand years before christ and and he says that that changes everything because i can have a hope for a better world for a world that isn't disappointing so there is a disappointment of success because we think well i've achieved all this success but i'm going to die and and you're right because i think many people um have questioned that through history in terms of trying to leave a name for themselves to be known as the greatest general, the greatest soldier, the greatest businessman, the greatest doctor, the greatest unit, you, you fill in the blank, whatever. And yet it's all forgotten so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we do need a hope that lasts beyond death. And you, you, you write on page 38, you say, there is more satisfaction in the smile of Jesus than there is a disappointment in a thousand lifetimes. Very poetical, very powerfully put, but... What do you mean by that? I what I mean by that is that Jesus is the God who made us and our our whole life and being flows from him. And to see him welcome you, smile at you, greet you, um that is that is the satisfaction that we're living for. I think, you know, when your boss says you did a good job, well done. What we're getting is a tiny reflection of the the satisfaction of of Christ saying, "Well done, wow, you were wow. faithful." Wow. We, we we talk about this more. Um, I think it's in uh, podcast thirty one, which is on hope, and also um, podcast twenty nine, the literal end of the world, where we talk about death and judgment and, and what that what that means. But let's just move on because so we talked about hope that destroys despair. How about purpose that cuts off escape? Yeah, can I tell you a little story about my daughter? Yeah, um, please do. Yeah. We, we were in McDonald's having supper um, and there was a lady there cleaning the tables. Um, my daughter, I think she was three or four at the time, she said, wow, look at that lady. What a great job she's got. Everyone Just clean, clean, the, clean, clean the tables. Yeah. Just cleaning the tables. Yeah, Everyone gets to enjoy a nice meal in this cafe because it's really clean. And and I, th- I was corrected because I would have thought that was a bad job. I would have thought, well, goodness, I... You know, I wouldn't want to have to work as a cleaner all day cleaning up other people's mess. Um, and I thought, no, that's a that's a much more wise perspective that my little daughter's got, because this woman's job blesses hundreds of people a day. They get to enjoy their meal in a nice, clean cafe. And she was obviously working hard to keep it clean because it was busy. And and I think that that is a more a more wise and a more godly perspective on life, that if we live to love others then we have a purpose that will have eternal repercussions um, in people's lives but that we can all achieve in the sense that you don't have to be 
at the top of your professional, yeah. top of your game or whatever, to love people. You can love your colleagues, you can love your family, you can love your friends, you can love yeah. strangers you meet. It's it makes no difference how successful you've been in your eyes or the eyes of the world. So what your daughter, your daughter had picked up was the fact that this this humble cleaning lady was doing something with purpose and meaning that was making a difference in her environment. And she thought that was a wonderful thing. And uh, yeah, what amazing wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So that's purpose that cuts off escape. And um, remember, I think if we, if we go back to, you talked about Solomon in Ecclesiastes because as we said, he's the richest man who ever lived and he experienced it all, money, sex, power, and he says it's all meaningless. Mm. Yes, yes. And I think I think we, we, we feel that when we act in love and, and we, we care for people and we serve them, um, then, then we, we feel a satisfaction that we don't feel even when we achieve great things. So I think, so the purpose of life is what, from what you're saying from the Bible is, is to love and to be loved. Yes. That, that's where it all sort of comes together. Yeah, absolutely. And so the heart of the Bible is, is that famous verse, John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal yeah. life. God loves us. We are fundamentally those loved by God. We're not isolated. We're not alone. There is a, a wonderful God who loves us. And his love then frees us to love others, um, to, to love our neighbor, to even love our enemy, Jesus commands. But surely, I mean, I mean, it sounds wonderful in, in theory, but loving is not easy, especially my enemy or uh, difficult in, or in, when I'm in difficult situations. In fact, I think I think it's it's probably impossible. Often, many it feels like that a lot of the time. Yes, and that's what I love about it—that it's impossible. I think you're absolutely right, and and that's liberating because duty can get us so far. I can make myself be nice. Um, I, I'm the sort of person I'm a man pleaser. I like people to like me, so I will be nice to you, um, and I'll, I, I can make myself be nice. But but actually, I can't make myself love you. That has to be something that either you work in me by being very lovable or that God works in me. Mm. So the only way I think I can love my enemies is for God to work a miracle of love in my heart. In fact, even the only way I can love my neighbour, to be honest, is for God to do that. And so how does he do that? By by answering prayer. Um, I, I guess it's twofold. I think he, he makes us like him. The Bible says that when we trust Jesus we come to faith we we become followers of Jesus then we're given a new heart um, God creates in us a capacity to love that that is like his capacity to love he is the God who loves his enemies um, and and he gives us that capacity and then delights to answer our prayers for that so I remember once going to help a church member um, with some work they needed doing and I was going because I felt I ought to and I was tired and I would rather have been at home watching the telly and I thought, no, this isn't right. And I prayed. I said, Lord, I want to love my friend and serve her well because I love her, not because I'll just do a quick job because I have to. And he worked that in me. He gave me a, a, a love for that friend. And I, I enjoyed then serving her. So the funny thing is, of course, if you do something out of love for someone, it becomes enjoyable. And she was blessed by my help and I was blessed by doing that, by, by serving her in love that way. So we've talked about hope that destroys despair. We've talked about purpose that cuts off escape. 
The third one is perspective that shrinks disappointment. Um, what do you mean by that? I mean by that that one day Christ will return and he will undo all the disappointments of our life. Everything that has been disappointing, we'll see the good that was brought through it or we'll see how it is unraveled and, and becomes a blessing. And there's a, there's a beautiful verse in the book of Revelation, the final verse in the final book in the Bible, that says that when Jesus returns, he will wipe away every tear. And this picture of God himself wiping the tears from our eyes and taking what is bad and turning it good. Now, I don't know how he will do all that. Yes. I don't know how he will undo the disappointments of our lives, but but he will. And that's, in a sense, the great hope that we, we, we hold on to as disciples of Christ in the sense of, de- of dealing with our disappointments, that there is a, a bigger story, there's a, there's a greater perspective yes. than what we can see in front of us. Yes, and they will end. There will be a day when there will be nothing disappointing left or able to happen again. And I think that that perspective that says, well, my my disappointments might, they might feel overwhelming today, but one day they will just be a memory. Yeah. And I, I find that helps. Yeah, me. I think Tolkien talks about everything sad one day will become untrue is the way he raises it. Yes, yes, he does. And, and he and both Tolkien and Lewis are very good on on this idea of of the future hope that, yes, the sad things become untrue. Um, Narnia gets better and better. Yeah. <laughs> so we're... we're Coming to, to a close on, on this podcast, but I think we, we're going to have to do another podcast on this and thinking about how this works out practically in, in, in the different areas of our lives. Um, do you want to say any final thoughts as we, as we come to, to a close here? I, I think that of, of those, actually hope personally has been probably the most powerful, that, that this, this world is not it. And that's what helps with the purpose and the perspective. But to, to live with hope, um, rooted in in Jesus Christ, that there is a God who loves us, and and who has promised us life, resurrection life, and who is coming back for us. I think that that hope it it stops disappointments getting out of hand. It also actually helps me to be disappointed. I think more about the right things, the things yes. that will be undone yes. and corrected, rather than my little concerns okay yeah thank you very much john so we do talk about hope on podcast 31 for more if you'd like to to learn more about that but john thank you for really opening up a subject that we find difficult to really understand ourselves or to talk about in in a way that's comfortable because all of us have things that we feel that niggle us we feel frustrated about in life and we think well why why am i complaining about this when there are much worse things going on around the world or in other people's lives and yet they still niggle us and I think if we can begin to grasp grasp the nettle, as it were, with this, then we can begin to understand more meaningfully what it means to live in this increasingly complex and challenging world and to find faith in a God who understands and who cares and how Christ has, as, as it were, made a path for us to, to deal with this. Um, so thank you very much for now. And we, but we're going to have you back again uh, to think about the practical implications. So thank you very much, John. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme 
This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drstanil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.